Hey guys, we've been talking this year about, let me tell you about my Jesus. And one of the best ways to tell people about your Jesus is to tell your story, what your story is. And uh, you got a great example of that uh, this morning with Chris and his story and what Jesus has done uh, for him, him and his life. Uh, you've seen a, a couple of other videos that we've shown already. Our plan is to have a video every month this year. Just people sharing their story because there's power in your story. And everybody's story is unique. There may be some similarities there with others, but there's also some, some extreme uniqueness in your story. And your story has power when you're telling other people about your Jesus. It's not just talking about this abstract guy who lived 2,000 years ago. You're talking about somebody who is making a difference in your life in the moment. In the moment. And, and here's the cool thing is, your story's not over. It's not over. God's still, once your story's over, you're in heaven. You know, the fact that you are here breathing this morning is proof that your story is not over. <laughs> and so uh, we're doing this for two reasons. At least two reasons, probably more, but two reasons. One is that it's inspiring, it's empowering, and it, it, it motivates us to move forward in our faith when we hear other people's stories. Secondly, it gives us examples of how to tell our story. And we look at it and we go, that, that's, that's what they said. Man, I can identify with that. Because when you hear these stories, you could identify with certain aspects of those stories. And you're like, you know, this is my story in relation to that. And so, uh, just remember that. The power of your story as we tell people about our Jesus. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We've been looking at this letter. <laughs> 1 Corinthians. Because it has... Some good, it has some bad, and it has some ugly. I mean, this church was dealing with a lot of stuff. <laughs> they were dealing with division. They were dealing with uh, different uh, sinful lifestyles and boasting about it. They were dealing with lawsuits within uh, the church between brothers and sisters in Christ. They were just dealing with a whole lot of stuff within this church. And I think the heart of this letter, throughout all of it, is about unity. It's about bringing together these people that were so divided, they were so influenced by the culture around them that they had become divided just like the culture around them. And I think as you go through each chapter, that Paul either hits it directly or at least alludes to this unity factor within the church and how to bring these people together because they were butting heads big time. When he talked about the lawsuits, it wasn't about the lawsuits. It was about what the lawsuits were doing to the brothers and sisters in Christ. When he talked about them boasting about different sinful lifestyles, it was about dealing with that so that you could have unity within that body of believers. When he talked about food, sacrifice the idols, he even said, it's not about the food. 
It's about the unity and the love that you have with each other as a body of believers coming together as one. I believe we see that theme throughout this book, and, and chapters 11 and 12 are no exception because I believe he hits this uh, right on the head in these chapters. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 13, I think is probably the core passage in these two chapters. <coughs> Paul writes, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. We were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Paul goes on to use this illustration of the body. He talks about how the hand cannot say to the, to the body or, or to say to the foot, I don't need the foot. I can do it all myself. And now I know there are people that have been trained to walk on their hands. They could do it quite well. I, somebody told me one time that Walter Payton could go 50 yards on his hands. That's, that's quite impressive, okay? But even people who do it well, do it better on their feet right they do it better on their feet because the feet were made for walking the hands were made for different things the ear was not made to do what the eye does the mouth was not made to do what my arms do and if any part of my body says i don't need you well then we're missing out and you know if you've ever dealt with a surgery or something when you've had a part of your body removed, you know that things don't function like they used to, do they? In 2016, I had my gallbladder taken out. I had to. It died on me. You know, it decided it, decided it didn't want to be a part of my body anymore and said, get me out of here. And so, uh, so they went in and they took it out. But listen, my body had to adjust to that. There are, there are things that don't function as well as it used to since I've had my gallbladder out, right? I'm not going into any detail with that. But I'm just saying I've had to make adjustments because of that. Because it serves a purpose in there. All of our body parts serve a purpose. Now, some of them are more seen than others i mean we love to get in front of the mirror and comb our hair and make sure it looks just right at least most of us do and you know and all this stuff but you know inside here and i'm not talking about the outside of your stomach i'm talking about the actual stomach inside we don't do anything to show it off do we we don't prep and, and because it's inside nobody sees it but if you had to lose either your hair or your stomach which would you rather lose my hair, right? I don't want to lose my stomach. It might be a little adjustment if I lose my hair. It's a big adjustment if I lose my stomach. But my hair gets all the glory. Everybody sees my hair. Nobody goes, ooh, what a nice stomach you have in there. You know? I'm not saying anybody brags about my hair either, but some people's hair gets bragged on. So that just because you don't see it as much doesn't make it any less important. As a matter of fact, in some cases, it may be more important. You know, Joe and I, we get up here and we, and we preach and, and we teach and, 
and we, we you know, formulate messages so that we can best communicate those messages in a way that inspires and empowers you. And we pour a lot of time and energy into that because that's our gift. But it doesn't make, and it gets a lot of attention. Look, everybody in here is looking at me right now. But just because it gets the most attention doesn't mean that it's any more important than the other gifts that other people have. They're all important. We need them all because we all form this one body. And the body is the body of Christ. We were baptized by one spirit. And so each part of our our body serves a different ministry, a different service. But it all works together as one body. If they try to work against each other, then everything goes wrong. And I think that's the heart of what Paul is talking about. Not only in these two chapters, but in the letter as a whole, to be honest with you. I want to look at three ways that I believe that we can honor God with our unity that we see in these two chapters. And the first one is in our relationships. The relationships that we have. Now Paul opens up this letter talking about the relationship between men and women. And especially in regards to worship and prayer. And talking about how women cover their head when they pray. And, and men uncover their head when they pray. And let me just say there's a lot of debate about what is cultural and what is not in that passage of Scripture. I'm not here to settle that for you this morning in that. But I, I, I don't necessarily think that that is Paul's main point here. I think his main point is that we need to get along as men and women. And I think the principle goes beyond that, not just men and women, but all of us. To get along. And he's talking about, you know, if it's going to be more respectful to cover your head, do that. If it's more respectful to uncover your head, then do that. But we want to value the relationship that each, each one has because we want this unity. We are one body. And I, and I think Paul drives this home in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 10 through 12. And he says this. Don't, by the way, read too much into the differences here between men and women. Neither man nor woman can, get a, can go it alone or claim priority. Man was created first as a beautiful shining reflection of God. That is true. But the head on a woman's body clearly outshines in beauty the head of her head, her husband. The first woman came from man. True. But ever since then, every man comes from a woman. Paul had a sense of humor. We don't always get it, but he had a sense of humor. And since virtually everything comes from God anyway, let's quit going through these who's, who's first routines. In other words, let's get along. <laughs> let's do whatever it takes to get, get along together as brothers and sisters in Christ because unity is at the heart of this and unity cannot exist without relationships, those relationships that we have with each other. I think Paul talks about this a, a little more over in Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 and 28 when he says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. 
There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. <laughs> we come together as one. We are one body of believers. We have these relationships with each other. Now, I don't think Paul is saying that we ignore our differences. Because Paul goes in great detail in several letters looking at some of the differences and distinctions between Jew and Gentile and, and men and women and, and these different things. But I believe he is talking about bringing those differences together as one. Oftentimes I teach, uh, I teach seminars on personality styles and I, I try to, to teach the difference between this kind of relationship and this kind of relationship. Because we all have differences. We think differently and we see things differently. We have different passions. We have different personalities. We view things in a different, different way. We all have these differences. I don't think Paul is saying ignore your differences. <laughs> I believe what he is saying is bring those differences together. Because we are one body. Obviously, we can't ignore the differences in the different parts of our body. We have to recognize those, but we use them together as one body. The hand by itself is not the body. The foot by itself is not the body. All of it together makes up the body. All of us together make up the body of Christ. We are the church, and we need those relationships in order to honor God with our unity. Second way we can honor God with our unity is this little thing we do every Sunday communion we do this every now nothing in the New Testament says we have to do it every Sunday but we choose to do it every Sunday for for a few reasons one is we feel it's the best New Testament example because they did it at least every Sunday so oftentimes more they would get together and take communion a second reason is, is because it keeps us focused on what it is all about. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Him. Look at this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 26. And, and we often quote at least a part of this when we do communion each week. <laughs> Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Until he comes. I, I love that last line there because what that tells me is, yes, this is a memorial. We do this as a remembrance. It's a memorial. When we take the bread, we remember the body of Christ. When we drink the juice, we remember the blood of Jesus that was shed for our sins. And we come to understand that it's only through that shed blood that we even have an opportunity to go to heaven. It is a memorial of what Jesus did upon the cross, but it's also a celebration of what is to come. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. 
It's a memorial looking back, but it's also a celebration in looking forward that he is coming back to take us home with him. But the only reason he's coming back to take us home with him is because of the sacrifice that he made on the cross when they nailed him there and he shed his blood for your sins and for my sins. And that brings us together. It brings us together. It's a fulfillment of the sacrificial system that we read about in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, some of the wording is even used, especially in like Exodus 24. I would encourage you to read that sometime this week. Exodus 24, Moses has the people bring in the young bulls to offer as sacrifices. And they would take half of the blood and they would sprinkle it on the altar. And they would take the other half and they would sprinkle it on the people. And the blood they sprinkled on the altar symbolized God's forgiveness. And the blood that they sprinkled on the people symbolized their obedience. So you've you've got forgiveness and you've got obedience. And because of the blood, the blood represents life. It represents life. Because of the forgiveness and the obedience, we have life. There is life in the blood of Jesus. The blood that he shed, blood symbolizes life. When it came out of Jesus, he died. But it's that same blood that came out of him that flows into us that gives us life. His death and our aliveness took place on that cross now the cool thing about Jesus and we're really going to celebrate this here in a few weeks is that Jesus came back to life and one day he's coming back to take us home why because he gave his life on that cross first Corinthians eleven twenty-eight says everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup Whenever we take communion, we should use that as a time to examine ourselves. Socrates said the unexamined life is not worth living. We have an opportunity as followers of Jesus every Sunday to examine our lives and our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And we come together for that communion. It's a come together union as a body of believers, to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. The third way that we can honor God with our unity is through service. When we serve together. 1 Corinthians 12, 4-6, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Listen, there are many different ways that we can serve God. And and this chapter goes into how we have different spiritual gifts that God has given us in order to be able to serve Him. Now, I am of the opinion, some people disagree with me on this, but I am of the opinion that all those spiritual gifts still exist today, that God uses those inside of us to be able to serve Him. What was happening in the Corinthian church is they were abusing some gifts, and you can read more about that over in chapter 14 later on, but they were also bragging about how some gifts were better than others. Oh, I've got this gift, but you've just got that little gift over there. 
And Paul is saying that they're all important. As a matter of fact, the ones you don't even see may be more important than the ones you do see. But they don't get all the glory. They don't get all the praise. But come in here and, you know, in the middle of winter and the heat doesn't work. And you'll find out how important some of those other gifts are, right? I mean, I don't do that from up here. Every gift is important. Every service is important. Every ministry is important. And every member of Jesus' church is a minister. We are ministers. Just because you don't get up front on a stage doesn't mean you're not a minister. As a follower of Jesus... You are a minister. We are all ministers together. And there are different works of service that we can use to build up the kingdom of God and to come together as we work together, doing different jobs, different services, different ministries, but all within the same body. Paul wraps this up in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 25 and 26. He said, the way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. Let me ask you a question. Anybody in here ever had a toothache? I mean a severe toothache. Yeah. Does it affect the rest of your body? <laughs> Absolutely. I had an abscessed tooth one time, and I couldn't get off the couch. I mean, I, I, I laid on the couch, and I ate popsicles. Just put that cold popsicle right there where it hurt. I mean, it, it affected the whole rest of my... Now, my foot didn't hurt. It wasn't because of a pain in my hand or my arm or anything, but because of this pain, it affected my whole body guess what the body of christ is like that when one of us is hurting all of us are hurting because we're one body and it affects all of us and if one of us is celebrating man all of us are celebrating that's why when we do when we do prayer time and people have praises and it's because of something that's that's gone well in their life or something that's happened in their life we all clap man we all clap. You know why? Because it's not just their victory. It's our victory as a body of believers. <laughs> if they're celebrating, if they're victorious, we celebrate that victory with them. If they're hurting and need healing, then we hurt and we heal with them. We are a body of believers. <laughs> now, Paul closes this out with anticipation of, of what's coming up. 1 Corinthians 12, 31, he says, But you should all constantly boil over with passion in seeking the higher gifts. And now I will show you a superior way to live that is beyond comparison. <laughs> Paul is saying, listen, we've talked about all these spiritual gifts, and they're all good. God uses all those, but there's something much better. I'm getting ready to talk about what is so much better. It is much better by comparison. These are the more excellent gifts that I am going to talk about. You could talk about all these other things. You could say, well, my gift's better than your gifts, but all of those gifts in comparison are nothing compared to what I'm going to be talking about next. Are you all anxious to hear what's next? All right, you'll have to wait till next week. Okay, because it's in chapter 13, but we will cover it, and I encourage you to read ahead of time, but it's even better 
than anything we've looked at today. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for the love that you have for us. God, we thank you for the spiritual gifts that you have, you have given each one of us. God, we know that all of us have at least one gift, and none of us have all of them. And so we depend on each other as we work together as a body to serve you in the best way that we can. God, help us to honor you in our unity in our relationships to honor you in our unity as we come together for communion and to remember jesus and to honor you in our unity as we serve together it's in jesus precious name we pray amen